You can read about Israel, you can sing about Israel, you can study Israel, and more power to anybody who does. Mm -hmm. But until you can step on that, what I call anointed land, it, it changes you forever. Do you really know about the incredible people in Israel and how the Joshua Fund is making a difference there? The Joshua Fund has accomplished a lot and impacted many people. And we're essentially colorblind in approach to ministering to people experiencing poverty or various challenges throughout Israel. Hi, and welcome to this episode of Inside the Epicenter with Joel Rosenberg, a podcast of the Joshua Fund, a ministry dedicated to blessing Israel and its neighbors in the name of Jesus. I'm Carl Muller, Executive Director of the Joshua Fund, and in today's episode, Carrie Summers speaks about the impact of the Joshua Fund and its ability to reach out to all groups of people and what makes the Joshua Fund so special. Take a listen. Great to see you. Thank you, Carl. Glad to have you here, and uh, I'm, I'm so fascinated by your background and your experience. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about, you know, where you've been, what you've done. I don't mean like yesterday or this afternoon, but kind of some of the things that you've had the opportunity to see and okay. do. Well, I appreciate that. I'm really, uh, I'll tell you, but I'm really much younger than it sounds, so beware <laughs> of that. It, truly, this will give you some tip off. I bought my first car when I was 15 years old, so I've worked all my life, and I think it's a great joy to work. I know that's a countercultural thing right now. But I love it, and it's a form of recreation for me. Yeah. And I uh, was in the sporting goods business, worked my way through school, University of Texas, math physics degrees with aerospace emphasis. And, but I never went into that field. I was fairly good in retail, and I stayed in that. And we ended up, I ended up with a sporting goods company that uh, ended up uh, buying Abercrombie & Fitch out of bankruptcy. I headed that up until we sold it. And then a friend of mine was developing a company called Bass Pro Shops, and he <laughs> loved Abercrombie, which was the oldest sporting goods company in the world, and asked if I could come to Springfield, Missouri, and help him, which mm -hmm. I did, and really enjoyed that. And then another friend of mine wanted to retire as a CEO, president of the sixth largest theme park company in the world, and called me and said God told him that I was the guy that needed to replace him. And so we, God had not told me that at the time. So we had to pray about this for a while, and it worked out. So I was, I was retired from there after Bill Bright, who was the founder of Campus Crusade for right. Christ, uh, told me I should. Okay. And um, I said, Bill, I'm not, I'm not old enough to retire. He said, well, but, you know, you're, he knew sort of where we were, uh, maybe financially position, position. And he said, you should, and you should start building things that will attract people who would never step foot into a church. Hmm. And I, we prayed about it. Jack and I prayed about it at his urging. We did not immediately pray about it. He you know, he was pretty persistent calling, <laughs> and we did. And sure enough, God spoke to us, independent of each other. And um, so we started the Nehemiah Group about 25 years ago mm -hmm. and to start building things that would attract people. Bill said uh, theme parks. I, I understood what he meant, though, uh, that would uh, attract people who would never go into a church. So that's been 25 years. And with that, we've traveled the world building, and, and uh, God has really blessed that. We've never had a website. We've never had a brochure in 25 years. We've never bid on anything, <laughs> and we are maxed out all the time. So yeah. I assume that's 
that God is uh, still in control of it. It sure is, uh, and it's been evident. Uh, you know, some of your experiences with the Nehemiah Group are legendary as well. We, uh, we've had a chance to talk about some of those things that you've participated in there. Well, it's been interesting. Uh, again, we've never pressed. That, that's a sort of an interesting deal. It's very uh, they're long stories to tell you tell people that you never pressed for it because it's hard for them to believe that. Yeah. Uh, but Nazareth Village, we of course built that starting in '98, mm-hmm. and I still serve on that board. Uh, you know, 25 years later, and it's going incredibly well. Mm-hmm. Still, uh, we've built. Um, we just finished the Museum of the Bible in Washington D.C., <laughs> and now we're working on the Museum Bible Museum of Africa in Ghana, West Africa, and it's under construction. Fascinating. But we also have some other interests that we have that we think have real importance in the world. One is the Global Water Center out of Charleston, which is a, a sort of a collaborative effort that's never been done in the water world. And some of them, my son went to Stanford, and um, he was in charge of some water projects in Miramar when he was out at Stanford. And we really got intrigued with the whole water, clean water, and how it can be mm-hmm. an incredible witness uh, to that country and to the people, yeah. so we're we're heavily involved in that, and, and we started passages and kids to Israel, right? And um, that was something that we've now sent almost nine thousand college kids to Israel in the last five years. Amazing. Yeah. Our daughter-in-law went with Passages and uh, had her whole perspective uh, changed. Uh, Fascinating story. Fascinating. It is. And it's uh, it's something I did, started way, way before we had Museum of the Bible. And we tried it out, tested it out with a couple of colleges and found that it had uh, amazing impact. And it's just one real short story. Um, I ran a young lady stopped me at one of the religious broadcasters conferences uh, in the last year or so. And um, she realized I didn't recognize her and she identified herself. And she said, um, I went with you on your test to take college kids to Israel. And I calculated that was probably around uh, 18 years ago, maybe. And um, her friend was with her. I, I don't know. But she said, um, she, I just want to let you know that it was the most impactful thing in my life. And her friend, who, her buddy, chimed in and said, it really has been. That's all she talked. It's 18 years. Wow. And that's why it's so important to, you can read about Israel, you can sing about Israel, you can study Israel, and more power to anybody who does. Mm-hmm. But until you can step on that, what I call anointed land, it, it changes you forever. Yeah. And there's a young lady, 18 years later, it's still, she said, it's the most important thing that's ever happened. And she said, and, and I've gotten married since then, and it's still the most important thing that's ever yeah. happened in my life. Yeah. It's because there's something eternal about that. It is absolutely true. I had a similar situation happen to me this past, uh, this past month. We were on vacation, um, happened to be with an organization that is very, very well known. I won't say the name or the, the people that were involved, but they're some of the most famous family, Christian families in the nation. And we were out in the water, and someone said, hey, what, what's been the most impactful trip you've ever taken around the world? And he goes, well, apart from the Holy Land 43 years ago, and he <laughs> said something else, and my ears perked up, and I went, Wow. That is so amazing to say that's the most important trip. Yep. And uh, you've been to the Holy Land. You've been to Israel right. over 100 times. Yeah, we, we, we've uh, started in 84, mm-hmm. and uh, a pastor in uh, well-known uh, in uh, Mount Perrin Church of God in Atlanta, mm-hmm. and um, Paul Walker, Dr. Mm-hmm. Paul Walker, who's sort of a legendary pastor, 
his son got married, was killed in a car wreck right after he got married a few weeks later. And Dr. Walker went to Israel, and he just uh, took a sabbatical and went over there for a few weeks. And as he said, he just cried out to God, and why? Why did this happen? What happened to this? And we happened, we weren't members of the church. We just happened to be with our, our friends that were the day he returned to the pulpit. Mm. Now, this is almost 40 years ago, and I still remember that sermon. Mm. And what he said, I turned to Jackie, my wife, and I said, Jack, we have to go to Israel. And she said, well, how do you do that? I said, I don't know. Just call the travel agent. I don't have any idea, but let's go. And we did. We didn't know you had to go on a big bus and all that. We just booked a ticket, got over there, checked in the King David Hotel. We heard some people, some people heard us talking and they came over and said, are you Americans? Yes. And uh, what are you doing? And and this was an older group of people. And they said, well, why don't you just join us on our big bus (laughs) and we'll go around Israel. And that started this 125 trips later venture. Wow. And it never gets old. And uh, it's, um, it's unbelievable, really. It's hard to explain yeah. this to people. It's just like the Bible. It's every time you read it, you say, well, I didn't see that last time. Wow, I didn't know that. This is what God does to you when you go to Israel, too. Yeah. You can go to the same place and you say, oh, I never saw that. Or, wow, wow. And uh, right now, there's more excavations in Israel, according to the Israel Antiquity Authority, who I was just recently with, than in the history of Israel. Right wow. now, more things are being found now than in the history of Israel. Why now? Wow. Because God said, look, in the latter days, I'm going to start revealing things. And it is happening. And uh, so people have just need to, like (laughs) us, just book that ticket and go over there. We'll figure it out. (laughs) Well, I've been over there only a fraction of the times, but I can affirm everything you just said in terms of the way in which you see something once and then you, you know, our immediate thought is, well, I've seen that. But if you go back and if you, if you have a chance to have your Bible open or you, you read that passage in the morning, you will see things that you've never seen before. And uh, every time I've gone back, as you said, there's a new excavation, you know, the new uh, archaeological finds, but even more compelling. And, and, and with this, I want to talk a little bit about the Joshua Fund sometimes is when you go over there time after time after time, you see ministries, individuals leaders of the church and, and of Messianic congregations that are being raised up and that are starting to have a ministry that's beginning to flourish. So it's not just those uh, excavations that are going on, but it's the yeah. building of the church and the body of Christ there now. You know, something you said just now is so, so critical. And I think it's the number one mistake of people going to Israel. And uh, I'm a big fan of any church, any organization that's getting people to Israel. But I'm also somewhat of a critic, and that is that uh, they lock in on sites. Um, mm-hmm. I, uh, some people went with me once, a bigger group, and their son sent me uh, a note and says, I took over 10,000 photos. Could you help me identify them? Because one rock looks like the other rock. <laughs> and the number one thing that we found when surveys after the fact on groups that we've had some involvement with is that it dealt with meeting people. Hmm. It didn't have to do with the sites at all. Hmm. And it's the number one thing, I I just can't stress it enough. This is where the Joshua Fund is so critical, is to understand the people of Israel. Understand that there's almost three million people that are well below the poverty level. There's some big needs there. But it's also where you can meet firsthand and sit down with a Holocaust survivor and see what, and really understand the ethos 
of what's called the startup nation and what yeah. makes it run. Yeah. And it's about the people. And I think the, the Joshua Fund on what you're doing, yeah. dealing with people and inviting other people to come over and join part of that process mm-hmm. is so unique. And I just, it's, it's such a shame that, that people would not take advantage of yeah. that and come over there yeah. and um, let you and your team to show them around and meet people. Well, good day to you. It's Joel with The King Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith, and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org slash impact. Our verse of the day today is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. Remember this saying, a few seeds make a small harvest, but a lot of seeds make a big harvest. And our prayer requests today are that number one, pray that more people will be willing to partner with the work of the Joshua Fund and be willing to work tirelessly for the realization of our goals. And also pray that every seed sown in every gospel effort made in the epicenter would yield a bountiful harvest. It's so true, Carrie. Uh, last uh, night I was with Lynn and she reminded us of uh, what she and Joel often uh, encounter when they ask a group of people uh, who's been to Israel, you know, maybe half the room or a number of people will say, yes, we've been to Israel. How many people did you meet? Right. Over there right. that were Israeli. Right. And, you know, people go, oh, we met someone. Who was it? Our guide. Right. <laughs> but if it's not the guide, who did you meet? And everybody goes, oh. Right. And that's so sad from our perspective, as you said, because there is this incredible richness and diversity to the body of Christ there. Right. Uh, historic, ancient churches and Christians that are carrying on traditions and working in, in ways that have, they've you know, done so many other places. There are brand new believers, uh, you know, both Messianic and, and Arab believers right. who've just come to faith and are so fresh in it. I think we heard from one today, uh, this beloved gal who works with us in the old city, you know, she said, I, I became a believer in Yeshua. And all of a sudden, it was like, I wanted to tell everyone. I wanted to go through the old, old city and just tell everyone. Well, so. my first, uh, so our first trip was in 83, 84. Uh, but my first chunk of time was spent in Nazareth. We were building Nazareth Village. And Nazareth is about 85% uh, Muslim. It's almost, almost 100% Arab. There's little sections here and there that has some Jewish population, mainly um, a Nazareth elite with uh, Russian immigrants. It's one of the assemblage points, but they mm-hmm. would assemble new immigrants from Russia. But then for the most part, it was Arab. And um, so my first few years of really intense in Israel was I got to know Arab Christians. I got to know Muslims. And um, then I eventually got to meet some Jews along the way. <laughs> and so I think that's one of the real big misunderstandings yeah. in Israel that um, there are some incredible people 
that are they yeah. love the Lord. They're they're giving their life for the Lord. They're yeah. devoting there, and they happen to be Arabs. Yeah. But wow, what a ministry oh. all these people have. It, it's fascinating and it's uplifting and it's in some of the hardest uh, places to do ministry in the world. I mean, uh, it is. Joel Rosenberg, our founder, often says if it was easy, it would have been done by now. Because right. it was the, you know, literally the place where Jesus uh, walked and talked and taught. And, uh, you know, our ability to look at the lens of how history and everything is unfolded there, uh, sometimes we, we lose track of the fact that these are real places with real people trying to carry out real ministry. And it is very encouraging, even in the midst of some of those challenges. Right. And now you see the Arab Christians working with the, the Jewish Christians. And you, you wow, it's just a, a miracle is happening there. And, it, and it's, it's uh, yeah. dramatically growing. Uh, I remember first 40 years ago, there were, I would, I'm going to say a couple hundred maybe uh, Jewish believers. Yeah. Um, maybe. Most came from two or three different families, and that was it. <laughs> and now there's, I think, 30,000. 30, uh, there's a variety of estimates, but best estimates are around 30,000. 30,000. But I always say, too, to a lot of American audiences, you know, there are churches meeting this weekend that their whole congregation is larger than all of the believers in Yeshua HaMashiach in Israel exactly. that from a Jewish background. So let me ask you this, and, and you know, it has to do with the fact that you have had so many ministry experiences, so many times to Israel, so many uh, engagements. Uh, can I just ask, why are you so connected and committed to the Joshua Fund? Oh, you know, there are, um, and, and uh, to your very good point, um, there's a lot of ministries in Israel. After almost 40 years, I get, I've gotten to know many, and uh, I'm going to say, unfortunately, I've been able to, to look behind the, the closed doors mm-hmm. some, and it's not necessarily real pretty when you do that. Mm-hmm. When you look at the Joshua Fund and what Lynn and Joel started, and you look behind it, it is exactly what you see in front mm-hmm. of it. It's a five-star ECFA approved. It's the accountability is there. They have, uh, they really and truly work extremely hard to use the the money that is given to them for God's glory. They don't pull any punches. There's no imitation. It is really the real deal. And um, unfortunately, some are not. Yeah. And uh, so I'm. Uh, a gigantic fan of Joshua Fund, not just because Lynn and Joel are involved in it, but the staff involved in what's been accomplished. And all you have to do is go there and just talk to the people, the staff, and talk to the people that their lives have been impacted by the Joshua Fund. And it makes it becomes real clear that this is truly an anointed uh, effort that God has His hand upon. And and for some reason, He chose Joel and Lynn to start it. I mean, they, they, they'll be the first to say it. We don't know why, but He did. Yes. And and God is still blessing that. Yeah. Because, and that's that's the reason I'm a uh, one. I, I really. I'm a cheerleader and a supporter of Joshua Fun, and I don't recommend a lot of non-for-profits, um, but I, I'm not bashful at all about recommending that one. Well, it's deeply uh, moving uh, as, you know, as, as part of the Joshua Fund team to, to hear you say that and to, to know in my heart of hearts as well, I totally resonate with everything you just said. That when, when I got the opportunity to join the team and see what God was doing through Joel and Lynn, but also see the staff and see, see the level of integrity. You know, when something is the same on the outside as it is on the inside, that means it's, it's, it's full of integrity. It, it's the same all the way through. 
Uh, I always like it uh, to a chocolate bunny at Easter time, right? If, if, if it's a chocolate, solid chocolate bunny, we all love those. It's not the hollow bunny that sometimes we see. And I think that's the Joshua Fund. Uh, if, if, if I were to uh, ask you, uh, among uh, so many of the other things that you see the Joshua Fund doing, uh, what would you say is the most impactful right now? Well, a lot of it is uh, somewhat new also. You know, the ministries to the poor has been a sort of a staple there. Mm-hmm. But the way it's done, it's, you, I think someone said that many ministries in Israel either deal with the, the Jewish population or they deal with the Palestinian population, yeah. and there's a few that maybe cross over. And um, Joshua Fund is, is some, we'd call it colorblind. Yeah. It's wherever the need is yeah. there. The second is, though, that it's constantly being innovative. Mm. You know, Joel uh, Rosenberg uh, with the All Israel News, All Arab News, which is something dear to my heart, uh, to finally have some reporting out of Israel that is legit right. and it's factual and it's not skewed this way or that way. And that's pretty rare. And to have it done on a daily basis is the first time that's ever been done. It's unheard of. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think that's one of the key um, needs right now is to provide accurate reporting, for, especially for Americans who are geographically challenged and really don't understand a lot of <laughs> right. the issues. Right. And this allows people to really get a good picture. And I think it's so critical right now to Israel. And the Joshua Fund really helped launch that, what we might call a venture capital mm-hmm. investment mm-hmm. in that. And then with Joel's new show, on TBN coming up on October the 6th, if I'm correct, that deals with the Rosenberg Report. Um, I'm familiar with the format he's going to do. And again, once again, prime time on on Thursday nights. Again, I hope I'm right on that. He's going to be able to share what's really happening in Israel as as up-to-date as possible. And because of his, um, I'm not sure his whimsical nature or why, but he has been given access to leaders, which I've been with him, mm-hmm. in the Gulf states and in Israel, which I just have never seen before. I mean, I, I shouldn't say that I have, but not. it's very rare that, that he has that ability. And uh, he asks tough questions when he's there. It's just not something that, you know, it's mm-hmm. just... So with all that, I think with the, the history of incredible work, especially dealing with those in the the biggest need, Mm -hmm. and now with the innovation to even bring more truthful reporting about Israel. That's what really uh, sort of hits my hot button with the Joshua Fund, and uh, that's why we're involved in it. You're absolutely right on on so many points there. You know, the the both-and side of the ministry and the reporting objectively, even the idea of having all Israel and all Arab news, you know, indicates kind of that, that commitment that the Joshua Fund, that Joel in particular, has to that. And as you said, the, the TBN show coming up uh, on October 6th, and you were right, Thursday nights, prime time, 9 o'clock, Joel is going to be able to directly deliver quality and candid observation and insight into this incredible pressure cooker and cauldron of, of, of ideas and things that are happening in the Middle East. And I, I for one, am going to really look forward to it as, as something that's going to provide a lot of clarity and a lot of uh, clear out the confusion that sometimes you get from the mainstream media outlets. It's not misunderstanding. It's just, frankly, pure misrepresentation. Hmm of what's happening in Israel. I was there during the Intifada. I saw how it was reported in 2000. I was standing up the hill overlooking Nazareth. We just, of course, we're building Nazareth Village. And I saw how it got reported on mainstream media, and it is not what happened there. And so, and that was 22 years ago, and it's gotten worse. So finally, somebody 
and it's Joel is, is one of the key. And there's a couple others mm-hmm. uh, that are finally reporting what the reality is in is Israel, mm-hmm. and um, you, it's just it's not coming through mainstream news media though. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that, and I'm looking forward to, like you said, the, the real story getting out. Because as you said, if you've been there and you, you listen to the story sometimes from the way the media's current perspective is, you're just like, what planet are they on? Got to go back to one thing we also talked about, and I want to end with this, is, you know, you mentioned these delegations. And um, uh, again, I, w- I will say this uh, about the Joshua Fund. One of the things that's most uniquely attractive to me about it was always that Joel had these personal relationships uh, friendships, even with some of the heads of state and heads of, you know, major parts of the of the governments in both Israel and the Greater Middle East. Y- you and I happen to be on one of these delegations. You've been on uh, several, I think, with Joel. Tell me your perspective. Maybe one story from these delegations. Well, I think there's a common story that's there. Uh, number one, it's not what you think. I mean, we we've been to some of the you know the people would say is the difficult Gulf states, and there are some that are almost impossible right now. But uh, those who are certainly involved with the Abraham Accord are uh, certainly could be in the future, or at least good prospects. Maybe they would be involved in the Abraham Accord. This is quite a different story. You see God's hand working in there. There's curiosity about uh, Christians, not negative. And there's, it's, they're not anti-Christian. It's curious. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's interesting to get their perspective on uh, some of the incredible Middle East issues right now. Certainly Iran is the bonding agent, I guess, between a lot of these countries, not knowing exactly what the, certainly the U.S. is going to do. And um, that's something you just, you're not going to, it's very difficult to get if you just sit here in the United States. And what uh, the Joshua Fund is, has done and is creating more and more of these delegation trips, uh, people pay their own way, so it's not a, it's mm-hmm. not a burden on the ministry. Mm-hmm. But to have that access to the royal families in these countries and to certainly to key leadership in Israel and these other you know, four or five different countries now, you just can't do that. You can't sign up on you know, ABC tours right. and go do that. So really the Joshua Fund is, is a rarity that has been, I think, has the blessing yeah. of, to be able to do that. And, and Joel has this amazing knack of being able to get in there in the most nice way possible and then ask really tough questions and not offend anybody. Not offend anybody. How do you do that? I wish I could do that. <laughs> I wish I could do that too. <laughs> but I would just say to anybody that if you ever have that opportunity, and y'all post it well, I mean, it's not a secret. Mm-hmm. Um, is to go, yeah, and uh, really, it, it'll change your perspective yeah. on what's going on in the Middle East, and certainly with um, the relationship with Israel. Yeah. Well, Carrie Summers, thank you so much for uh, this uh, very candid and, and I think so such insightful uh, observations about about the, the, what God is doing in the Middle East, and you know, and how your perspective has helped uh, shape that. And I want to thank you for taking the time. Welcome. I hope you've come to see through this episode just how visiting Israel changes one's perspective forever and how the Joshua Fund provides real, unfiltered insights into the happenings in Israel and the Middle East. And by the way, if you found this podcast really valuable, please get in touch with us. Let us know who you are. Are you someone who's searching for Jesus? You can find him here. Do you want to talk about something else on the show that you haven't heard yet? Do you have a question you want Joel to answer? 
go to joshuafund.com and click on contact us. Your feedback is incredibly valuable to us as we develop this podcast. And as always, you can check out our show notes for anything you heard on this podcast that you'd like more information on. For Joel Rosenberg and the entire Joshua Fund ministry team, I'm Carl Muller. Thanks for listening to this episode of Inside the Epicenter with Joel Rosenberg. Hi, this is Joel Rosenberg, founder and chairman of the Joshua Fund, and I've got exciting news. In 2023, I'm inviting you on behalf of our entire board and staff to come to the Holy Land, to come to Israel on the next prayer and vision tour. This is the 75th anniversary of the prophetic rebirth of the modern state of Israel back in 1948. And what is God doing here? It's amazing, spiritually, economically, in so many ways. There's been so much growth, so much progress, but the best is yet to come. And we want you to see it. We want you to walk where Jesus walked. We want you to see where the apostles ministered. We want you to see where people's lives were transformed by the love of God and the power of the Holy Spirit. We want you to see this city where Jesus died and rose again and where he's coming back, I hope soon. But in the meantime, come to Israel with the Joshua Fund. You can learn more about the trip, the itinerary, the cost, all the details at joshuafund.com. But sign up quickly because I think this thing is going to fill up fast. The Prayer and Vision Tour of Israel in the fall of 2023. I hope to see you there. Hey everybody, I'm Dale. And I'm Tamara. We're hosts of the Kainos Project podcast. Where we help you tackle ancient Christian truths in everyday settings. To learn more and subscribe, go to lifeaudio.com.